Welcome to the So Powerful Podcast. This is your host, Jan Cancilla. You know the sound of my sewing machine means it's time for another episode. So let's get started. Our guest today has been one of the most instrumental people in ensuring the ongoing operation of the Needs Care School in the Nambe compound in Lusaka, Zambia. Is this person a school teacher? No. A curriculum development professional? No, not at all. Serves as head of the school? No, no, no. Our guest, David Durr, gets down to basics. His caring spirit and generosity have made a big impact on the needs care students and their families since 2015. We are going to reveal shortly what David did and continues to do for So Powerful and the Needs Care School. So stay tuned. Welcome, David Durr. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you, Jan. It's great to be with you. Um, where are you today, by the way? I live in Gig Harbor, Washington, which is about an hour from downtown Seattle, so up in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, cool. And I understand you travel quite a bit for your job. In fact, we had another session scheduled, but work demands called you out of town and we had to, to choose a different date. So why don't you tell us where you work and what you do? What are your responsibilities? Well, thank you. I'm happy to share. I work for World Vision and I've been working with World Vision for almost 18 years now. And Previously, before the COVID season, I, yeah, I was traveling quite a bit through the years to our World Vision programs in different parts of the world. But lately, as with most folks, uh, things have been a lot different. So I'm doing most of my work virtually now. I have the honor of working with our major donor fundraising team in an operational role. It's been a real blessing. All right. Well, and I just got the World Vision catalog for Christmas gifts in the mail. So I've Put that aside and we'll find some people on our Christmas list that will be getting a donation to World Vision on their behalf. Thank you. Appreciate You've it. worked at World Vision for a while. Did you work there at the same time with either Jason Miles or Dana Buck? Yeah, I did. I know both of them very well. I met both of them through World Vision. Uh, Jason was part of my early couple of years. I worked with him more closely in the early 2000s and Dana Buck and I worked very, very closely together for many years. He just retired a short while ago. So both are just amazing gentlemen, dear friends. I have to tell you, they throw your name around a lot when you're not here. So <laughs> we've heard your name a lot. And so it's good to put a face with a name. You have a personal connection to Zambia. And I presume that that started through your work with World Vision, but I don't know. Tell us about Zambia and how that connection happened and how that actually personally affected you and your family. Yeah, so it's a connection with Zambia that's both a church connection and a World Vision connection. Oh. My first trip was in 2005. And at the time, I was serving with our Presbyterian Church here in Gig Harbor, Washington, Chapel Hill Presbyterian Church. And we were doing a mission trip to, to Zambia to support some orphanages. And when we went over as a team, I was able to spend some time with our World Vision staff in the country. That was my first time to, to see our World Vision team there in Lusaka. Just a great initial experience. Lusaka and Zambia is a beautiful country. They're very strong in their own faith. 
And we got to see some of the challenging situations and challenging conditions up front and personal. We were visiting some of these orphanages that both World Vision and our church partnerships were supporting. And that actually was the beginning of our journey to adopt two children from Zambia. It took a couple of years. We didn't adopt our children until 2007, but it was as a result of that first trip to meet some of the people at the orphanages and to meet connections uh, through World Vision to make that happen. And did you meet your children on the first trip or subsequently? Subsequently. So it was 2007 when we went back and started to work with the Department of Social Welfare. Zambia is one of those countries where there's not really agencies working to help adoption, at least there wasn't at that time. So we were working directly with the Department of Social Welfare to find out which children were available. And it was, so it was February 2007 when we met Esther and Ivan, our two children who we adopted a few months later. Are they siblings or just two children? They're siblings in our house. <laughs> we don't know much about their story. Oh. They were in an orphanage for about a year before we uh, adopted them. Neither one of them have many memories. The records are not clear as to what happened to them before they arrived in the orphanage. So they could be. We don't know. In the end, we decided it really doesn't matter. They're sure. going to be part of our family, and we've had them now for 13 years. And how old were they when you adopted them? Five and six. Ivan is the younger one. He's now 18, and Esther is 19. Oh, my goodness. And what are they doing now? Ivan is here in Gig Harbor and attending Gig Harbor High School. He is a senior this year. And Esther is attending Tacoma Community College, also living at home. So both are still with us at home and uh, working on their schooling. And did you have other children at the time you adopted Ivan and Esther? Yes, we do. We have four biological children as well. And what makes life kind of interesting for us is all of our kids are similarly aged. So my oldest is 24, and then I have a 22-year-old, and then we have a set of twins who are also 19. So all these kids between now, 24 and and 18. So you had six teenagers all at once? (laughs) Yes, we did for a few years. Oh my gosh. And, And you're still sane and still with us. That's amazing. That's amazing. So when you brought the children homes, Ivan and Esther, how did your existing children react to that? And how did they welcome them into the family? What was that dynamic? Our children have been fantastic. Our biological children welcomed Esther and Ivan, a lot of love. But I have to be honest, too, and tell you that it's been a challenging road. These have not been easy years. And anytime you know get exposed to or you meet someone who's different or has been subjected to some of the challenges and the conditions that Esther and Ivan uh, experienced, it brings a lot of new dynamics into the mix. And to parent them was very challenging for for my wife and I. We've learned a lot. Uh, We've grown a lot. I'm pleased to say both children have really matured and are on a very good path today. But we had some challenging years and we're just very grateful that God gave us the strength to to, uh, to see it through. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Now, Because you adopted Ivan and Esther from Zambia, you made a purchase in Zambia. Uh, Tell us about that. Yeah, this is one of the most striking kind of parts of our story. This did not happen planned. This was really somewhat of a last minute decision. While we were 
finishing up the adoption process. One of my good friends, an attorney in Zambia named Ben, he and I were chatting one day and I was sharing that, you know, I'd love to maybe think about obtaining some land so that if Fester and Ivan ever wanted to come back to Zambia, that they would have a connection to the country, maybe it would be a place for them to be. And he just out of the blue happened to say, well, I have a friend who's actually selling land. And I was like, you're kidding. And he's like, no, it's, it's actually not even that far from Lusaka. And, and I said, well, can we go visit it? And he's like, yeah, let's go. And so with, on, on, on literally like on a couple hours notice, we drove out to this land. It's in a, an area called Chilenga and had visited the farm, met with the farmer. His name is Kai. He was a, a Dutch gentleman who had been there for a long time and had probably over a hundred acres. And he was selling off 10 acre parcels of land. And so sure enough, Ben was able to help us to agree to the terms of purchasing one 10-acre parcel from Kai. And that started this rather lengthy but uh, unbelievable process for us as Americans to then be able to obtain the title to the land. But it took four years. It was quite a process. Wow. Uh, but it was, it was just a godsend, and we're very thankful. So in the We Are So Powerful book, Jason wrote a chapter called The Three Esters Farm. David, you play a prominent role in that story. So let's break it down a little bit and share with our listeners what happened after you purchased that land. Something very unique happened on July 16th, 2015. And it was obviously a red letter day because Jason knows the exact date. He may even know the exact time, but this is what he wrote. Cinnamon and I both stood there in stunned surprise. What did you do to stun Jason and Cinnamon? Yeah, that was a remarkable day. It was one of those days I also remember very clearly. I have to go back actually before the meeting started. So it was at World Vision. Jason was coming in to visit with a couple of our colleagues and talk about his ministry and what he was doing. And, and I can remember thinking, I have this meeting on my calendar. But I actually didn't know what the meeting was for. I hadn't seen Jason in quite a while. And so there's this meeting on my calendar, and I can remember thinking, I don't have time for this. I need to, to probably just politely say, you know, I have to, to step out and I can't join you. And I really felt the Holy Spirit going, no, you need to go into this meeting. And so I did. And I sat down and I listened to Jason talk about what he was doing with the Needs Care Center in Nombe and what they were doing with Esther and how the whole ministry had gotten started there. And I was just stunned as he shared their progress and what they were trying to do and where they were trying to go. Had Jason started So Powerful at that time? Yeah, by 2015, surely he had. He had. Yeah, they had been doing some work with Esther for a few years, yes, mm -hmm. uh, but I had lost touch with them, so I wasn't in, in contact with them at that point. It had been a few years, and so this was my first time to actually see Jason in, in quite a while, and I, I don't think I'd met Cinnamon before then, and yeah, I listened to their story, and he didn't know this, but you know, what I had been doing with my wife for the prior eight years was to figure out what's the best way to put this land to use that we had. It took us four years to get the title to the land, but then we'd spent another four years 
trying to develop it, trying to find some way to use the land to benefit the community around where the land is. And we had very simple aims and aspirations. We just wanted to use the land in a way that would help people who were, were vulnerable, whether that be children or orphans or widows. But nothing we tried worked. We were unable to get anything going. And so in 2015, in July, the land was just completely a bunch of bush. It was trees. It was overgrown. There'd been no development. There'd been no farming on it for years because we'd been unable to, to get anything started until Jason and I reconnected in July of 2015. So what is it that you told Jason and Cinnamon after that meeting? Yeah, so after the meeting, I walked up to him and I said, you guys may not believe this, but the fact is that my wife and I have been trying so long to get something going with this land in Zambia. Would there be an opportunity to do something together? Do you think we could talk about maybe using this land that we have to support the children of Nombe? And that's when I think they both just about, you know, fell over and <laughs> were quite stunned because they weren't thinking about land. They weren't thinking about farming, but God just brought us together. And that's what started the discussions. And then it wasn't long after that, that we had an agreement that basically we signed a, we signed a contractual agreement to say for 10 years, at least the whole farm, all the land will be used to benefit the Nombe Immune Care Center. So we've been working together for five years and have every intention of working together for many more. Oh, that's fantastic. And now Jason has access to this 10 acres of land. What did he yeah. think he was going to do with it? Did he have initial ideas? I think we had some initial ideas, yes. We did know from the farmer and from some others in the area what generally could be done. We knew that the land was fertile. We knew that there'd been a lot of uh, healthy years of crops growing on it before, whether that would be maize, what we call corn or tomatoes. So we had some general ideas. And, but what we didn't know is who would do it and how, how that would work. Uh, so we started brainstorming. We also knew that we needed to raise some money initially just to get the land cleared and make it possible to do some farming. Uh, so we just started taking one step at a time. And it's been really fun to see how it's grown over the years. Why don't we take a break right now? And when we come back, we're going to hear a whole lot more about how the farm has evolved, how it got its name, what your ongoing connection is, and just a, a whole lot of good information here. So let's, let's take a pause. Have you gotten the second edition of the We Are So Powerful book? This updated version of the original bestseller, 4.9 out of 5 stars, by the way, is again authored by So Powerful co-founders Jason and Cinnamon Miles. It is available on Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle reader. This latest edition is packed full of moving stories about how So Powerful came to be, the volunteers who make it happen, and the way this small movement has grown into a global mission to break the cycle of poverty through education and the dignity of work. And don't forget, when you place your order, if you use smile.amazon.com and designate So Powerful as your preferred charity, Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase right back to So Powerful. And now back to our podcast. Welcome back. 
We've been speaking with David Durr and learning about his history with Zambia and how he came to acquire 10 acres of land that is now being used by So Powerful in many exciting ways, as you probably know. David, you were sort of talking about the early days of this partnership with So Powerful. In the story that Jason wrote about the farm, he talks about a call he received sort of out of the blue from a lady he didn't even know named Tracy. And in the story, we don't even know her last name. So if you're listening, Tracy, thank you very much. But why don't you relay that story about that phone call that Jason had with Tracy? Yeah, that was a fun time. That was early on in our partnership, probably late 2015, just when we were doing our first fundraising campaign. We knew that we needed to raise money to clear the land as well as put in a well. So farming is, you're not going to get very far unless you have an access to clean water. And ideally, we knew that we needed a well. And that's exactly what Tracy funded. So she was one of our first big donors to the farm. She had allowed us to proceed with putting a well on the property, which then just opened up everything else that came after that. So we putting a well in was like the first big step to starting the development of the farm. So now there's this partnership between you and So Powerful, and it's going to benefit the Needs Care School. So Esther, who is the project manager there at the school, starts making trips out to the land to try and figure out what to do with it. And she has a chance encounter with a gentleman named Nicholas. Tell us about that. Yeah, Nicholas and Esther met and immediately struck up a great friendship. And like you said, it was a chance meeting, which is a theme going through almost the entire story of the farm. Let me just go into why we named it Three Esther's Farm. Yeah, so yeah. my daughter's name is Esther. She's from Zambia. Esther from the school, obviously, is the second Esther. And so many things happened, especially in that first year, that felt like it's just a coincidence of timing, but we know it's not a coincidence of timing. It's really God bringing people together in the right sequence for such a time as this. And so we were thinking about the story from the Bible of Esther and how she was just at the right place that God needed her to be at the right time to save the people of Israel. And so we knew that Esther, my daughter, and Esther, the school teacher, were being supported by the Lord, and all of us were. So that's where the three Esters comes from, these chance meetings that just kept happening, like the one that you just mentioned between Esther and Nicholas. Nicholas was working nearby. He was helping out a farm that was across the street, if you will, from our property. And he saw Esther coming over and trying to get some things going and, and realized that she needed some assistance, maybe needed some guidance, and they struck up a friendship. And that's how it all started. And he's been working with us ever since. Right. So now he's the manager of the farm. Is that correct? That's true. He and his family, he and Lily and his wife moved onto the property. One of the first things we did was to build a caretaker's house after we got the well in. We also have been able to get electricity out to the farm. And so Nicholas and his whole family are now involved. In fact, some of the most uh, fun pictures over the years have been pictures of him and his family and his kids helping out, carrying cabbages that are like half the size of them. And uh, so it's a family family support thing there with Nicholas and Lillian, and they're doing great. In this chapter of the book, Jason tells the story about oranges and orange trees. I think he was 
on a so powerful mission trip in 2016 and decided that he would plant some fruit trees on the farm property. Tell us that story, but then tell us the unhappy ending about the oranges. <laughs> yeah, for any farmers listening, I think they'll chuckle at this, but they'll also be able to recognize the challenges of farming. Farming is not easy work. And there's all kinds of obstacles that you have to overcome over the years. So yes, Jason and team were on a trip and they purchased some orange trees that they were really excited to plant. Then there's very good reason there to believe that you can get orange trees to grow in that area of Zambia. Uh, so they planted them and before we had the well in and before we had sustainable water coming through, through the irrigation system. And so unfortunately, between a combination of a lack of regular water and then some goats that I think broke out of their fenced area and helped themselves to the leaves and the trees, those, those orange trees didn't make it. So we, we've now got banana trees going instead, but those first batch of orange trees, uh, they, didn't, they didn't make it like we'd hoped. Hopefully goats don't like bananas. <laughs> there have been several improvements to the farm, and you mentioned irrigation and electricity, the caretaker's house. Is there anything else I've left out? I would say the big thing with the irrigation is that it's it's an elevated irrigation system leading to, to some drip lines. And for those that know what that brings to a farm, it's huge. So that increased the amount of area that they could farm regularly that brought a much more controllable water supply and allowed us to reach more of the property. We actually even today haven't fully cleared all 10 acres. So it's okay. still in development. And they also put in a chicken house. So over the years, we've done a couple batches of poultry uh, and chicken work just to supplement some of the crops, the vegetables that they've been raising. In the story, Jason lists some of the challenges that the farm was facing, especially in the early days. Can you remember some of those? Oh, sure. You got all kinds of insects and critters that can be problematic. That part of the world definitely has battled for many years, some of the, the pests, and some of which you can deal with with fertilizer and other things. But in other ways, you know, you can't. And so there's been a series of things there. What we've learned, and I really credit Nicholas and Esther for this, is they've become much better agricultural engineers. And I use that term to describe, you know, how they've become better at planting things in the right locations, putting them properly spaced, you know, you know putting the cabbages and the onions properly distanced uh, so that they can actually thrive together. Similarly, with some tomato plantings. So they've learned a lot about how to get the most out of the property. And uh, you've seen the yields coming from the crops really grow, especially in the last two years. Just this week, Jason's had some good news, bad news about what was going on at the farm. And you've sort of alluded to that, but why don't you share that with us now? Yeah, so here we are five years later, that chicken structure that I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's been serving us well. But unfortunately, they got a really big windstorm that came through just a few weeks ago. And the wind was powerful enough to blow the roof off of the chicken house. Wow. Thankfully, no one was seriously injured, but they definitely sustained some damage to, uh, to the poultry house. So we have to rebuild some of that. I was just looking at a proposal earlier today for the cost of rebuilding that. And there's enough damage. It's, it's going to be a couple thousand dollars at least to rebuild the whole the top structure and then put the roof on securely. Yeah. And there was a harvest. What did they collect recently? 
So they had a massive crop of cabbages, at least 2,000 cabbages. And these are big cabbages. They're like the size of a basketball for those of us in the U.S. And cabbage is one of the healthiest vegetables, just a lot of nutrients. And so it was so great to see those cabbages coming off the farm. They filled several trucks and they've taken some to market. They've taken some directly to the school where we know that they helped to feed the children a couple times over the last few weeks in one of their staple meals, an Enshima-based soup and vegetable combination. In this chapter of the book, Jason shares a testimonial with the mother of a student at the Needs Care School where, because of the abundance on the farm, they sent some produce home with the students. And that mom happens to be also named Esther. I just thought this was an amazing story. Can you share it with our listeners? Yeah, this has happened actually several times where we've been able to uh, because the harvest was so good and so uh, substantial, been able to share crops and share resources with the community at large in Nombe. So, you know, the number of children and families that are attending the, the Nombe school is really large. And they're some of the most impacted and vulnerable families in the, in the Lusaka area. And so the need is great. So, you know, Esther is just a brilliant community development worker. She has a heart for serving not only the children that attend the school, but also the families. And so she's been able to share resources like the cabbages and tomatoes with, with other moms, with other families who are really in need in, in the area. And that's been a blessing to see. She sent us many pictures of families with their tomatoes or with their cabbages. And we did get a great story from, from this other mom, Esther, who was just very, very thankful. She got to have two meals on that particular day and not just one. Yeah, and, and, a, and a healthier meal at that. So we're thankful for that. Yeah, I mean, when I read this story, I mean, it brought tears to my eyes because she said, today we're going to have two meals. We usually have one meal per day around 4 p.m. And, you know, as yeah. I was reading it, I was thinking, oh, what could I have for a snack right now? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these people are feeling joyful to have a second meal in one day. That was just amazing. A recent development is the formation of the Farm Advisory Council. I don't know if it's formally kicked off or not, or if this is breaking news on our podcast here, but can you tell us what that's all about and how that's going to benefit the farm and so powerful? Sure. That's kind of the next step in the development of the farm and the development of our farm strategy. And so I'm going to be convening a Farm Advisory Council with some colleagues and friends here in the U.S. and hopefully also the, some of the key leaders there in Zambia. And together, what we hope to do is to be able to really put together a longer-term business plan for the property, for the farm, think through all the details about what would be the best things to grow, when, what quantities, how best to use the land, kind of a master plan for the next few years. And on, on this side, what would we need to do in order to provide the resources to help enable that? And you know, so we're still in the, the development of the farm where we still have some capital needs. And I think the advisory council will be really focused on what are the capital investments that we can help support in the next several years that will really take the farm to the next level. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it is time for that. So that'll be starting up here, hopefully by the end of this calendar year, end of 2020. Cool. 
If our listeners want to make a financial contribution to the farm fund, they can always do that as a one-time thing, or they can also do a recurring monthly gift by donating on the So Powerful website. Can you be a little more specific about how the funds for the farm are used and how are they distributed? Tell us about the financial side. Sure. The financials work like many of the other So Powerful programs work. Where, where Jason works very closely with Esther to transfer funds as needed to support the work there in Zambia. And so that's, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I was looking at a budget proposal today for what it'll take to uh, make the repairs necessary to the poultry house. And that might be one of the next major things we do in terms of getting her the funding that she needs to hire the contractors to, to do the repair work. Uh, beyond that, I would anticipate in the coming months, we will uh, explore other investment, maybe an additional garden area, maybe clearing some additional land as necessary. We're talking about other expansions that might be possible. Could be more chickens or it could be maybe something with pigs. We could uh, invest in some additional farming equipment, perhaps. They don't have a truck at this point or any specific tilling type of equipment to to really manage the land. Uh, in fact, uh, they've had to rent that out or borrow from community members. So there's some capital investment opportunities coming up that if the funds become available and it makes sense to do that with the Farm Advisory Council's blessing, we'll, we'll probably look for those investments. Well, what a vision and what a blessing to so many people through your acquisition of that land because you wanted to have a future for your children, Ivan and Esther. That's just amazing. David, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to finally meet you and your insights about the farm have been really inspiring. We're so grateful for the work that you do on behalf of So Powerful. And I know our listeners enjoyed hearing about the Three Esters Farm and the important role the farm and you play in feeding the students of the Needs Care School. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Have a great day. Thank you, Jan. It was a pleasure to be with you. Really appreciate the uh, time. Thank you again. Thank you. If what you've heard today inspires you to want to make a difference, I urge you to explore the So Powerful website at www.sopowerful.org. That's S-E-W-P-O-W-E-R-F-U-L Org. The website has great information about the organization. It's where you can download the free purse patterns or even make a donation. We hope you will join us again next week when we bring you another So Powerful Story. Thanks for listening. Now go out and have a So Powerful Day.